So I have both my ears. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for now. <laughs> I fell off my bike today with clip-ins, like might have lost an ear. It was bad. Yeah. And then you almost froze one of them off uh, <gasps> in winter, right? I am 38 years old and I have never had frostbite until this year. See, that, I, I don't get that. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performances and art and all sorts of things, whatever you can experience in Edmonton. We are happy to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Fonda, and today we are back with a review of one of the in-person experiences that Edmonton has been waiting for for quite a while, uh, Imagine Van Gogh, which is touted as an immersive experience of the paintings and life of Vincent Van Gogh, um, and which is now finally open at the Edmonton Expo Center after a couple of extended delays from, of course, the pandemic closures. So now that we are vaccinated and all the restrictions have been lifted, we thought it would be really nice to get out and take in some art. And so for that, today I'm joined by our resident guest reviewer, Colleen Fian. We had a good time of it, so I will leave you with our chat right after these messages from our sponsors. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Rumi. If you're a homeowner, summer can be the season of yard work and making repairs. Prune your trees and shrubs, clean your eaves troughs, replace those drafty windows you noticed over the winter, or you can call Rumi to take care of all your outdoor and indoor home maintenance while you fire up the barbecue and relax. Visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, or call 1-844-777-7864 and let Rumi's trusted local experts take care of your yard so all you have to do is enjoy it. This episode is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Now, if you want to start your day as an informed citizen, check out The Pulse, Taproot's daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History, Chart of the Week, and the Friday podcast pick. My personal favorite part of The Pulse is the Cree Lesson of the Week, which is sponsored by Nehawin, and it's a great way to increase your Cree vocabulary. And, best thing of all, The Pulse is free! Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. Um, hi, Colleen. Hi, Fonda. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here in front of this microphone. Are you vaccinated? Two times. <laughs> Double pfizer for me. Nice. Nice. Isn't it nice to be vaccinated and to like be out in the world and see people and things? It's really exciting. Yeah. Well, what did what did we do this week? We went to see Imagine Van Gogh at the Expo Center in Hall H. <laughs> yes, it was in Hall H. That took us a little while, but yeah, we're not there. But it was interesting like as you're going to the Expo Center, it's like there's like the immun there's the testing center for COVID and the immunization clinic for COVID and then like 
there's like you know hop skipping and jump down the hallway there's imagine mango yeah it's like wow like fine art exhibit along with all of these like major medical things <laughs> and vaccination centers that are happening um yeah so well um let's start off by just describing what imagine van gogh is Right. So Imagine Van Gogh is a um, immersive projection art installation that has been traveling across the world and has made it to Canada, um, consisting of a large space where in uh, very, very 27 foot projections. Yeah, I read seven meters or 27 feet, something like that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're large. It's like the full, full scale. Mm-hmm. So 27 foot projections are set up in a, in a room with, with several created walls um, and doing a series of paintings from Van Gogh and they were grouped into some of his landscapes, some of his um, still lifes and some of his portraits. Yeah, so the and the period of focus that was used for the 200 odd paintings that were in the exhibit, which were done by projection over 50 projectors, I heard around 50 projectors, and then 20 of these large screens that created the walls, and sort of an island in the middle. Um, I did ask about the actual layout and the setup of the exhibit um, with one of the organizers just to say, you know, because the, the exhibit has been around since about 2008. Uh, and my question was, you know, did it change the configuration because COVID? Like, how did are we seeing it differently now than audiences around the world would have normally seen it? And the answer was really mostly just that um, the uh, the number of people who are shuffled through at a time is really um, was just done more to accommodate distancing and things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, really, it is still preserved as the same exhibit that people have been seeing um, since uh, well since it started out over ten years ago. Really, oh yeah, well more than ten. Yeah, two thousand eight. What were we doing in two thousand eight? Oh, good Lord. I was still in law school. 2008. Yeah, I think. We were I, not in Edmonton. I, no, I, yeah, I was just wrapping up that time at C Magazine in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> On to a, a rewarding career in arts management and uh, podcasting. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I was doing opera back then. Yeah. Oh, good times. Um, so in any case, though, the 200 paintings that are the focus of the, this um, exhibit are also really just from the last two years of his life, uh, which were very... Um, sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah so when you enter the exhibit you you enter in and and you're you're sort of like out in the main hallway of the expo center and then you immediately enter into this anteroom with um, i think probably like 16 hanging um uh sort of small expositions about various parts of his life and they're sort of organized where you're supposed to stand in a, a lit square space which we thought which you pointed out is probably maybe a covid thing but anyway, so you go and you read sort of through this story and you can hear the music that's part of the projection happening in the next room. And it's all beautiful music. Uh, I, I would imagine from the 1880s, I, many people would know many pieces from it. Yeah, um, the, the the pieces of music were all pretty, like I recognized Bach for sure. I yeah. think Mozart. And there was definitely an Eric Satie piece. Absolutely. Um, but, the, but yeah, it is recognizable classical music, yeah. um, sort of like a greatest hits kind of playlist yeah. probably of, of the era. <laughs> <laughs> True. And so you're sort of going through and they're talking about his um, his movement from um, from where he grew up in Vienna. I'm saying that and I'm now I'm 
Anyway, he ended up in in, uh, in in France, in southern France, and that was sort of where he was majorly where he his major inspirations came from. Gauguin was a was a was a um, a colleague of his, and and those kinds of things. And um, they sort of explained that he suffered from major mental health issues and died penniless, uh, really with only the support of his older brother or younger brother who financially supported him, and that um, he went through significant periods of depression, was institutionalized for them and eventually succumbed to what they think is suicide yeah yeah at the um, age of 37 yeah 37 i mean you commented <laughs> we, both made we, made, we made it past 37 <laughs> yeah i didn't hear the high five because it was kind of a weak one but we high fived there for that <laughs> um it's been a rough year <laughs> Has it ever? Um, well, so yeah, I mean, so how did you feel like? Because you're not really given a lot of instruction on how to experience it. They just sort of like after the teaching room, right? Like there's sort of the room where you read all of these, um, uh, you know, the influences that he had in different phases of his life, um, and then you're just sort of like, kind of like spit into the the big projection room where you know and you can go in kind of really at any time i would say the whole experience probably takes about an hour between like the reading of all of the stuff at the beginning and the actual cycle be- through the paintings and music and projection um which i think was maybe like i don't know around 40 minutes yeah something like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah but there's not they there's not really a, a lot of guidance to be like, or wayfinding really, to be like, you should do it like this. So you're just sort of like in this room with, you know, a lot of other people, a lot of Instagramming people, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, I, well, that was what I was surprised about. So I think that, so you and I have been doing, well, I have been a guest on this podcast for several years. You and Paul have been doing this podcast for years now. And I think that I was thinking about, you know, entering into an experience like this. And granted, it was considered to be an immersive experience, but like I know about visual art, but I'm not an expert on visual art. Mm. And so I think it was interesting going into this particular exhibit because I am used to going into a theater and you sit in a seat, you, the the curtains rise, you watch whatever you're going to watch. So it is a guided experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like, whereas you walk into an art gallery and like, I'm like, I don't know, where's the cafe? Like, you know, (laughs) where's the gift shop? (laughs) So I, um, uh, anyway, so, but in a theater experience, you are guided through an experience. And, and so that was something that I thought was interesting for you and I to be doing in order, in a, in a sense of review, because I also felt like, oh, this is it. Like, where do you want me to look? Like, I, I'm going to walk because I feel like I should look at things, but you know, the group over there is chit-chatting and the group over there is Instagramming and, and then the group over there is like child minding. And then the group over there is like smooching in the corner and you're like, well, but I'm here to like have an experience. Like I just, you know, like I. So it it was interesting, and I think also probably commonly the the things that you and I would tend to go to aren't really big mass, uh, massively consumable art pieces. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's more local live performance, which isn't necessarily going to be consumable to a wider audience. And so mm-hmm. there's sort of that difference too. So I feel like. This was an interesting thing for us to view because it's not our normal, you know. It's not our normal jam, right? Yeah. yeah like, I, I, there was, there was something about it that I felt was kind of lacking. Like, like, th- there wasn't the intimacy there. Like, even when you go into a museum in some points and you see a painting that is, say, either, like, a great, great work that is, like, physically smaller than you expect, it's still... There's still, I don't know, like a spirit there, mm-hmm. I feel, that you ca- you get a charge from it, yeah. where this was, I mean, 
I did talk to someone there who was involved with it, and he did say, he's like, you should walk around so yeah. that you can actually kind of, like, experience the movement of it. Yeah. Um, and that was what was cool kind of about the projection is not only were they so large, but you're seeing really, like, these brush strokes, which Van Gogh is very well known for, um, th- that are, you know, like, you would never actually normally be able to physically get that close to the paintings right. um, with how big they were shown, yes. right? Well, and I love that point because, yeah, so so Van Gogh is famous for, he was sort of post-impressionism. He influenced uh, Fauve and some of the the next phase of impressionism. And what he's famous for is his um, his very drastic brush strokes and his bright colors. So you mm-hmm. see in the earlier work, he was not using colors like that. Um, he was not using aggressive brush strokes. It was more pen and ink drawing. And I love this because, so Fonda spent several years in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so we get there and all of a sudden there's this, this comment on how Van Gogh was very um, uh, influenced by Japanese um, by Japanese art artwork, like the mm-hmm. the, the, the ink paintings. So, yeah. so I love that because we got to like the point where they're talking about Jap- Japanese, and yeah. you were like, or Japanism? Japanism? Yeah, I think it's Japanism. But I, I was like, hold up, I'm gonna read this whole thing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I read them all. I read all of the things. <laughs> but yes, but the, actually, you know, when you got to the point where his. Um, Japanese influences really came through like with the almond blossoms and like actually those were some of the only ones that were truly animated like a lot of the projections were just sort of like almost panning up and down um, smaller portions of the paintings whereas the um, the almond blossoms were actually appearing on the branches uh, in in those times and I felt that um, you know his Yeah, his work with nature and like the flowers and the irises. The poppies. Yeah, like those, like those, when those things came up, just like the the color and especially the color of the irises was just like, oh, wow, I get it, you know, because you're just bathed in this whole room of it, essentially. And like, you know, like a flower would be the size of like three of your bodies and so and so you know and you know that he's going through this intensely mentally challenging moment when he's painting these things and you sit there and because they're so big in front of you and there's all these brush strokes like it feels quite violent mm-hmm. like it it was like it was turbulent water really is yeah. how it is how it looked to me on the page and so when those sort of ones would flash up like bigger than life size you're like Oh, I can I can feel the angst in this person with all the mm-hmm. with all the brush strokes. Although you had a really interesting comment about the Starry Night brushstroke. Yeah, so the it, it's good that you bring up the term turbulence because I found this I found a really interesting explanation, and I'll share the link to it in the show notes about how Van Gogh's Starry Night was actually um, ex- like examined by mathematicians uh, because. I guess other impressionists also use this idea of sort of like the swirl um, and these like sort of short brush strokes to make something to make movement seem like it's happening. But the idea of turbulence is actually a very complex mathematical subject. And so these mathematicians measured the starry night against some other impressionist works and found that Van Gogh's the starry night, which he painted after a very, very rough patch, um, very mentally, uh, it, it was the one that was actually closest to really, truly depicting what turbulence could look like mm-hmm. in in you know in air and movement, and th- th- and I found that fascinating. Um, so and I, I like I did find that because I was you know trying to look up some things on Van Gogh yeah. before we went, um, and that was that was something that I thought oh that's interesting. And I will say though, when it did get to the Starry Night portion of the like of the screening, really. Yeah. I, f- I felt like it was so short. It went by so quickly. But it was actually a kind of magical part about it because 
I felt like you walked into the room and one of the first um, exhibit portions that you go through is um, real life pictures of small Parisian or not it wasn't Paris but small pastoral town French streets and 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 then it and then it shifted into Van Gogh's paintings of French pastoral mm-hmm. so either hay, hay bales and and the famous bridges that he's for and or the little towns and those were neat I actually really enjoyed those because as you were walking through everywhere you looked was a different pastoral town painting mm-hmm. So it felt like you were in a set. And as you were walking, like some of the the projections would, would shift. So it felt like you were sort of walking towards it. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That actually felt very dynamic. I don't know if you've been to Epcot, but like you're walking in, in these the most impeccable scenes, right? Like you feel like you're on a film set. Mm-hmm. And so, it, sorry, it's not really like Epcot. Sorry, that was a really bad... <laughs> whatever that was a bad comparison but it it felt like you're walking in a real life set of paintings and they're moving around you and so that was very interesting and then the starry night point came up and you're bathed the whole room is bathed in this like deep deep blue Mm. and that was those moments actually started to feel immersive because the lights went down you weren't looking at the exits and the instagrammers and the blah blah like it just the whole room got blue and it felt a little bit Mm-hmm. theatrical that way so those were really good moments but I wish those had been more and then some of the like here's a chair were yeah yeah, yeah. there was a lot of th- there were moments where the light just kind of did allow you to really bathe in the color and and like appreciate that use of color and then you know the starry night thing not to really give anything away but it did fade into sort of like a natural starscape um and then you know I guess that's maybe sort of kind of like a natural rounding out of like the ending um because like the point that we walked in i don't know starry night didn't uh it didn't signify the end for us because we knew there was still more that we had to see that we missed on the way in so it's interesting that they kind of like they do really let you in at any time so in order to make sure that you sort of see the full experience we kind of had to like clock an image that we would remember yes. be like okay when this comes back we know we're we can go, we, or we can go. <laughs> Sorry. Or that we've at least seen the cycle once, yeah. you know, all the way through. Um, yeah, so so there, that was interesting. One of the other parts that I really liked, and maybe it's because I've actually seen one of the sunflower paintings, um, but the sunflowers was just, I know that he really loved yellow. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Starry Night Blue, amazing. But I heard that, that I don't remember exactly where, but I, that he really enjoyed yellow. Um, and so seeing the sunflowers paintings, which are actually all just like variations of yellow, um, and still those um, those brush strokes, which are just like, just intense and emotive. And, you know, I mean, I've seen, I feel like we've actually seen a lot of theater that gets branded as immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, the parts that I felt like this, where it was immersive, like I almost, you know, like maybe needed a little chemical help or something to be like, <laughs> I need, I just want to like dive into one of these projections and sit with it for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's, the, and that's also kind of like how I like to go through a gallery often as well. If there's something that I like to see, I like to sit and stare at it for a while. Um, now that, that didn't really allow this the way that this was actually um you know run it didn't really allow you to do that or dwell on things very long and i also felt like i was constantly miss, constantly missing things like i went through this i went through these moments where i was like oh gosh i'm like the, i'm impacted but it's disappearing and then other moments where i was like okay next please <laughs> and mm-hmm. so i think yeah, I, I and you sort of said like, wouldn't it have been interest in being interesting if they'd had us walk through tunnels or rooms or 
um, been like, more like, of a, a like a yeah, different a different configuration or something, or yeah. a path that gave you more of like a wayfinding where you know, okay, I'm gonna sit in this part of this room for a while because I really like the way that these colors are, the way these this group of paintings is, yeah. um, opposed to really you're you're sort of subject to this cinematic experience that they're giving you in the 40 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and you can of course you can actually stay longer. You could stay for another cycle or two or yeah. however many and try and experience it from different angles, but that was one of the questions about why I asked about the layout uh, with COVID and things like that. Is that, you know, like, does it actually take different shapes in different cities and in different spaces and stuff? And, um, you know, generally, no, it actually is always kind of the same way. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And 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 I they did use the floor sometimes. Yeah. But I felt that it wasn't almost like it wasn't enough. Like I wanted more of the floor because when you see images of the um, when you see images of the exhibit online, like the press images and things like that. They deliberately actually don't post video of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when you see images of the exhibit online, it looks like you are walking through the Van Gogh painting. Um, and I don't know that I really felt quite that way with any of the way that it that it um, was actually executed. I, I would agree. It felt like an opportunity to see some things up close that you would never really get the chance to be up close to. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there were some sort of cinematic moments where you were bathed in blue light and stars and that was cool or little town squares but it but no I never felt like lost in the painting so to speak Mm -hmm. which I feel that this maybe is actually what it's it wants to do yeah uh so so it's kind of interesting I was I just yeah I didn't get that from it but at the same time it's just it is a really nice 40 minutes there's nice music there's beautiful images it's very quiet yeah. Um, also air conditioned. <laughs> um, and the lighting is nice, you know, like it's, it's actually just, you know, like a nice space to be in. Um, I also think that in times of, you know, when, when we're coming out of this COVID period and uh, you're looking to be stimulated by art and experience, you know, you don't have to sit next to anybody in a seat, so mm-hmm. it feels pretty safe. Yeah, well, and you and I actually, like when we went in there, we kind of just naturally sort of, distanced. T- yeah, distanced and took our own path, right? Yeah. And that was, you know, and then, you know, we'd kind of like catch up on the other side of like the big cube island or whatever right. and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the the cherry blossoms were really cool. I also felt like the Japanese, the branches and things like that went by very fast. I wanted to you? sit, for me, I wanted to sit with those for longer, uh. but... I would be very interested to see this kind of a projection experience done with something that they picked explicitly for this art form as opposed to something like Van Gogh. Like, I I think that they're, I'm not giving up on this type of um, art form. Like, I think, I think there's more that could be done. And I wonder if using Van Gogh was kind of a, because he's so widely known, like, I think they could do more. Well, I hear that the same uh, producers who did this have an imagined Picasso exhibit, which would, I feel, almost be, I don't know, different. <laughs> but, but uh, like, yeah. The other thing that I also really felt was that I kind of wanted the opportunity to just see the whole paintings as well, mm-hmm. you know, to just be able to say, like, okay, this is what Starry Night looks like 
and then you go into it or something. Because yeah. I feel that one of the most impressive things that I really enjoy about visual art is really seeing how much gets put onto a very small canvas sometimes. Yeah. Um, and of course, you don't always have the privilege or opportunity to see any of these paintings, really. I don't think, I'll, like, you know, 99% of the people who get to see this are not, we don't, we won't get to see those paintings. Um but I did kind of want to see like what it looked like as a whole with a frame around it. And right. then or or even maybe like actually the opposite way around would probably be good. Right. You get the immersive. You get this like huge projection and everything like that. And then all of a sudden you actually get to see how big the painting is and what it looks like standing yeah. what it would look like in a museum. True. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, 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 we, we must have nerded out at the Met back in like what was that? Ninety seven. Yeah, we totally did. We totally did. Totally did. Ninety seven. And then when we went again in like. I think it was like 2001. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah, because yeah, it, it was just after 9-11. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So um, in any case, that was, well, that was Imagine Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't really seen, gone to like a visual art sort of thing in a long time. Oh, yeah. Happy to be back. Yeah, well, we're back at it now. Things are open. We are vaccinated. We're full Texas over here. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> So you can take in Imagine Van Gogh at the Edmonton Expo Center until September 5th. Special thanks again to Colleen for the chat. As mentioned, we will provide some links to the things that we chatted about in the show notes. Um, yeah, and now, well, you can go see some exhibits, everyone. The museums and galleries are open. Uh, and there is also still stuff happening online and in backyards and rooftops and all manner of spaces. You can get performances for hire um, from a, a number of places. So, um, yeah, if you can, make sure you're doing your part to seek out and support those artists that are still working out there. Because after this great pandemic pause, they sure could use it. Until next time, folks. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Episodes are produced by Fonda Mithrush and Paul Blinoff. We are recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Series art by Michael Nunweiler. Technical support by Andrew Paul. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you value independent, local arts coverage, please consider supporting us on Patreon or leaving us a review on your podcatcher. Find out more at idontgetityeg.com. 